All right, so uh, I guess we're up to two. top two here. Yep. Uh, my number two is, um, you, you probably know this one, uh, John Carpenter movie from 1992, In the Mouth of Madness. Okay, good. Um, I was hoping you'd have it because <laughs> I couldn't find space for it. <laughs> uh, I, I'm, I'm not a huge... But I had a feeling you would have yeah. it, so... I'm not a huge John Carpenter fan. Um, like I like his films, but I, I'm not a, like a big, like, oh, I gotta see John Carpenter movies. Yeah. Um, I but <laughs> I love it's In the Mouth of Madness. Yeah, really um, one of the, one of the few movies on my list I actually saw in the theater. Yeah. Um, uh, which, which to me is like seeing that in the theater is kind of, <laughs> it was a bit meta in some ways. Yeah. It's kind of like, <laughs> wait, like when it gets to the, that scene. Yeah. Yeah. I feel not like not to spoil the ending, but yeah, you, you kind of want to be like, wait. You start looking around. What's going on? Mm-hmm. Is this happening? Have I uh, gone? Have I gone crazy? That's how this movie feels. This yeah, movie, like, yeah. like every five minutes, <laughs> you know, five to ten minutes in this movie, you're just like, wait, am I going crazy? Yeah. Or am I just watching a movie? A movie. Yeah. It's hard to about tell. a man going crazy. It's hard yeah. to tell. Uh, this movie stars Sam Neill, um, who's one of my. Uh, one of my favorite actors, he's even good. though he, he's an actor that does a lot of bad movies. Um, yeah. But, uh, I mean, most people know him for Jurassic Park. It doesn't, yeah. Well, what's great is that, like, Jurassic, he, in Jurassic Park, he's such, like, a, a sympathetic, mm-hmm. um, like, he's, like, a very good character. Like, you, he's, like, he's funny in, like, a, a very genuine way. He's He's very... He's kind of like endearingly awkward in mm-hmm. certain aspects in in that, and then you see some of his other roles like this or um, other things. Yeah, yeah. That could be mentioned, um, and and then you're just like, oh wait, he can also be like super creepy and scary. Yeah, um, it's it's interesting. Yeah, no, um, this is a movie I feel um, people have heard about or. But not a lot of people have seen. I no, brought this I movie. So. I, I brought this movie up to a lot of people that I know. That the title's are, too long. That are in, yeah, maybe that's probably it. That are into <laughs> horror movies, yeah. uh, and it they're just like I've never heard of that, and I'm like, you got to see it. Yeah. It is. It's maybe not the most horrific of horror movies. No, but it's got a. It's the story that's 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 kind of horrific. The well, and like I say, it, it makes you feel like you're going going crazy, crazy every and, few and, minutes. And, I mean, it is a movie about a man who is who just you know through circumstance his his, his the reality starts to come apart for him. Yeah. Um, it, yeah. It's hard to talk about this movie. It, this movie's kind of it's very easy to spoil. So I'm yeah. not going to talk a lot about the plot of the movie. Yeah. Um, but it, it's kind of Carpenter's kind of take on like. Um, you know, almost like Carpenter's take on a Stephen King kind of. Feel. Yeah, it has yeah. elements of like similar to Stephen King. It has elements similar to Clive Barker. It has elements similar to um, like the Cthulhu mythos. Yes, it, yeah. it's kind of like a, a melting pot of like classic horror, like literary things that have yeah. been explored more in literature than in in movies mm-hmm. before. Not a lot of movies explore... Do you read Sutter Kane? <laughs> yeah, yeah. not a lot of movies explore the kind of territory that this one does. Yeah. It's really based more on the literary side of horror, mm-hmm. which is a kind of a whole different thing. And for it to sort of be able to... You know, part of what makes it really cool is that it is so, um, it is so unique mm-hmm. because there's just not very many movies like it that, that 
bring the literary side of horror to yeah. life in the way that it does the- uh as opposed to depending on typical movie or movie tropes. Mm-hmm. It is actually interesting. You, you mentioned, and I made some notes about that, about this being a listed literary side of horror. Um, and the cthulhu aspect sort of of it, where uh, that is regarded as like some, that's classic literature horror is the, mm. the, the Cthulhu yeah. stuff. But that not reflected in movies. Not really. Like no. there is no real, like, Oh, this is the Cthulhu horror movie. Like there are some films based on H.P. Lovecraft stuff, but the, usually they're thanks. I couldn't remember his name. They're they're not really. Um... But the, why is there not? Why like the greatest horror movies yeah, out it's, there it's should be H.P. Lovecraft? It's hard to execute. It's hard to execute a lot it. of these ideas because um, it's it's so mental. Or the um, there should be. Like twists and variation. I mean, it's open source material. Yeah, it's it's in the public domain. Any any film company can grab these ideas and and work with them to yeah. make. It's any just hard to execute. Any writer that it's, must be it. That, so it's basically it comes down to it's either executed badly yeah. or they just don't do it because yeah. it's hard to. Execute. Uh, it falls into the Clive Barker case of what works in books, he, like exactly. doesn't work. And in that's movies. what's so impressive yeah. about it in the Mouth of Madness is they were able to incorporate mm-hmm. a lot of elements that had previously been kind of exclusive to literature yeah yeah because even if you look at things like there's a lot of movies based off of like stephen king for example made Mm -hmm. how many of them ever really live up to oh yeah source material not very many you know because it's really hard to do Mm -hmm. i mean a lot of that is just and even the ones that are like good movies that are based on stephen king they still don't really capture the same feel. Well, they, they capture a, a different feel. Because it's really hard to capture the feel of reading a book in a movie, mm. you know? So. I mean, that goes for pretty much all book-to-movie adaptations, or vice versa. There's yeah. always a, a, a different a different feel to it, just because of what you can put in a book versus what you can put in a movie, both lengthwise yep. and, you know, narration and yep. stuff like that. But um, Although, you know, In the Mouth of Madness has all those things. It has narration. Yeah. It has... Uh, That's what I'm saying. Like, it's the closest thing to being a book becoming a movie. Yeah. And it's not even based on a book. (laughs) Which is the most amazing thing. But it's... it's Maybe that's why it works. (laughs) But it's very inspired by a lot of horror So, yeah. So, that's my number two. Uh, Just also one of my more favorite movies Mm -hmm. um, is is, uh, uh, 1994's In the Mouth of Madness. I had a feeling that you were going to... I, I was pretty sure you'd have it, so yeah. that's why I kind of felt comfortable leaving it off. Ah, okay, because cool. it gave me a little more space. Oh, that's good. That's um, good. But it's it's yeah. It's really I, good. I know, like we like to keep our list secret from each other, but I knew you were having trouble with your list, mm-hmm. and I was actually tempted to like look. Here are like some of the movies <laughs> no, that are going to be on my list. It's fine. If this helps I like, you. Or I like not. finding out what you have when you say it because, <laughs> like stuff like the those first couple of movies you mentioned, where I'm just like, that's so outside <laughs> the box. Like that's awesome. Um, all right, so my two, um, number dose, which kind of follows pretty. It's a good follow up to, oh, like, okay. to what your two just was, okay? Because uh, I guess the theme for this one is we'll call it the Carpenter Club. Oh, oh, excellent! So these excellent. are the John Carpenter movies. So as you said, you're not really necessarily specifically a John Carpenter fan. I am. Um, his career's kind of uh, gone into a major decline in the last, you know, twenty plus years, I guess. <laughs> Um, but he he made enough movies. It's okay. In the eighties, <laughs> especially, um, Carpenter was like untouchable. Mm-hmm. It was basically 
movie after movie after movie throughout the 80s, like, every one is, like, a masterpiece to some degree or another. And he did all – he did a lot of different genres too. It wasn't always just horror. Um, you know, he did stuff like like Starman, which was, like, sort of sci-fi, romance, mm-hmm. drama, you know, mystery. Um, and a good movie. And and really good movie. Um <laughs> He did, you know, Big Trouble in Little China, which is also like, a really good movie. I don't even, I couldn't even start to describe the genres I'm, dealing with I'm there. Not, I'm actually, I should, I should addend what I said about John Carpenter. I really like John Carpenter's non-horror stuff. Yeah, they live, <laughs> they live, which yeah. is uh, has like almost comedy, not really horror at all, but you know, it's definitely not horror. But you know, maybe some people would think it has. Some I, horror, I, did, I did see it on a few lists. Some horror aspects. I don't know, but it's not really horror. But I mean, just stuff like that. Like you, you could just go on and on. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's crazy. Like he, his prolificness in the eighties. Like, anyways, yeah. Uh, so my first pick here, like you said, he was untouchable. <laughs> it just in terms of the consistency see, of yeah. you know, Escape from New York. You know, it was just um, not a lot of bad John Carpenter movies. <laughs> not in the eighties, especially. 80s, like yeah, in yeah. the eighties, he was amazing. And then you know, things didn't go so well after that. But that's that's a separate issue. Um, but I mean, I'll always have a lot of respect yeah. for him. Also, uh, after the 80s, sort of, especially in the 90s and mid to late 90s, uh, his name got attached to a lot of things that he kind of had nothing to do with. Yeah. And... So, uh, my first pick on this one is, uh, from 1978. Okay. It's Halloween. Ah. Um, so, I kind of had to have this because... It is a quintessential... It's not necessarily my favorite movie, uh, by any means. It is really good, uh, but... It it is so like iconic and important to the genre and especially to the subgenre, um, like the sort of slasher movie. Um, it's not the first sort of uh, I guess what you would call like a mo- modern slasher movie. Um, there was a couple things before it um, that kind of led to up to it, but it was the one that blew the doors wide open. It was the one that made that subgenre like as popular as mm-hmm. it became and. That subgenre of the slasher film, like, was huge after Halloween. Like, that that's what led to things Friday, like Friday the Thirteenth, which has a billion sequels. Halloween itself has a billion sequels mm. and the, remakes. There are so, and then then and then just all the other things. Like, there are innumerable. Like, you couldn't possibly go into all of the the slasher movies, and and they all came about basically because it was a trend that was started by the success of Halloween. Uh, what's interesting about Halloween is that unlike the sort of typical thing with slasher movies and with horror movies uh, in that era, the sort of post, uh, sort of early, especially beginning especially early 80s, late 70s, especially early 80s, um, there's no gore, there's very little blood in the whole thing. It's almost it's mainly atmosphere, although there Hitchcock-y are cocky and there are a lot of you know there are a lot of, uh, some murders and killings and stuff, but you don't really see a lot of detail or uh, graphicness. Um, it's not really like it became later, where later on it was all about oh you got to one up what you did before and you got to come up with the most clever and and like original kill scene, especially and with it, sequels. And to it just became well. like you don't care at all about the characters. The characters are just a bunch of people. Fodder. They're just fodder for like for crazy uh, imaginative you know kill scenes, mm-hmm. um, 
which is okay for what it is. I mean, there's not necessarily anything wrong with that. It's a good cathartic kind of uh, way of looking at it and stuff. Um, as long as you're not out there murdering, you know, real people. Um, well, as we mentioned before, good. Like, some it, of the it, best horror movies have a very low yeah, like, kill count. Let's yeah. look at the ring. And, and the original Halloween does not have a lot of kills. It does have a few, but... Um, it's very not very graphic. It's it's kind of slow. Um, it's of the era in a way, but it's it's just so it's just very artistic. It's just everything is in its right place. It's very um, yeah. It's yeah. just really good, and um, the atmosphere and stuff that's created and and I think it's easy for something to be overshadowed by all of the things that it influenced because often the influences take things so much further and they're just a lot more flashy and more, and some people might find some of the things that came after more entertaining because they're faster paced. They're sort of more flashy. They're more kind of fun in some ways. Yeah. Um, but I just think it's important to kind of take it back to the thing and, and remember that when you watch Halloween, it's like, you got to remember this is the first time that a lot of these things were done in a movie. This is like the beginning of, of this um, style. So uh, you kind of have to keep that in mind and, and realize that, that while some of these things may seem kind of old hat now and you think like, Oh, well it's not done as well as, as movie mm-hmm. movie X that came out, you know, five, 10 years later. Well, no, duh. It's the first time, you know, but for that, foundation it's very important for that Mm -hmm. and even without that if you can if you can just look at it in a vacuum as its own movie it's just it's just a cool movie it's just an awesome fun movie well it's just good yeah um horror is one of those genres and halloween is a great example of this where um a a lot of movies uh there's always a there's a, a progenitor movie that sort of starts a genre or starts an idea and then over the years it gets refined and improved and you recognize the original as being this good movie, this great movie that started it all, but there are better examples of it later on. Horror often is that is not the case. Uh, yeah, the, like usually most the, the, the refine and improve isn't as much doesn't well as they as run often out of steam just, a lot. So often the first is the it most just original gets and therefore the best. Crazier and yeah. It, it suffers in a bit in the same way as action movies do, where it's just always trying to one-up itself yeah. rather than trying to, they used trying all their, to improve it's like, itself. Oftentimes, it's like all the good ideas were used in the first one. Exactly. So you, you where do you go it. from that? Yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, you got no more really good u- ideas to use, so all you really have is... It's, you got more ideas, is to but that's more not better to ideas. one-up yourself in yeah. terms of just make it more crazy, more mm-hmm. bloody, more more kills, more, you know... And, well, at a certain point, it becomes meaningless. That doesn't necessarily In the context of the better. film, it becomes meaningless, mm-hmm. and then you start to lose the... Well, yeah. usually what happens is... Because of that, you lose the atmosphere, so which again, is the really important thing. Again, uh, with, as with a lot of these long-running series, um, all the rest of the Halloween sequels, which were many and varied, uh, were done without Carpenter's participation. I can't um, believe he didn't do any of them. Well, he... Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm going to explain. Uh, Halloween 2, because... The original Halloween 2. Yeah. Because of the huge, unexpected success of Halloween... Mm-hmm. Um, the studio or whatever that was that owned the rice were very um, very enthusiastic about the idea of a sequel. Let's put it that way, <laughs> because 
obviously dollar signs. So when something is unexpectedly really popular like that and it was cheap to make, very, very cheap to make, obviously, um, you know, you want more. So they went to um, to uh, to Carpenter um, and Deborah Hill, who is his co-writer, and um, they were able to basically convince them they didn't want to do a sequel, had no interest in it, but they were able to convince them to write the screenplay for part two. Um, but that's all the involvement that they would have. Uh. Um, and I believe that it was like to do that would allow them to then do something else that they wanted to do, like the next project that they want to do. Oh, probably, so like if you do this for us, we'll let you do this other thing. Yeah, it's probably timing wise, I guess it probably would have been the fog, I'm guessing. Ah. Because I think that came out at like 80. Anyways, um, they did write, so they wrote Halloween 2. Halloween 2 literally takes place exactly where the first one leaves off. Um, it's all in the same night. Oh, wow. Even, right? Like, it's literally... I've never seen any of the sequels. So. Halloween 2 is literally just a continuation of the first movie. It's not as good, but it's pretty decent. Especially considering that, yes, that, you know, it was still the same writing. Um, they never intended to make a sequel, so... You know, they wrote the, they wrote the script kind of reluctantly, but they did it, and somebody else directed it. So I mean, it's not it doesn't have like the Carpenter touch, but it's it's all right, mm-hmm. like it's watchable. Um, and I don't think I've ever really watched any of the further sequels, um, except for just bits and pieces here and there. Uh, oh, I, I did watch like the H two O Halloween twenty years later because. That was kind of like a big deal because it was Jamie Lee Curtis returning. returning. I remember that being and a big deal. It was yeah. literally, you know, like in continuity, and and it was like, well, what would it be like twenty years after the original, the events of the original for that character? Um, so I watched that just because I was like, wow, I gotta check this out. That, it was all right, but you know, that was that's pretty much that. Uh, so my other selection, would you, would you pair this with? Uh, my other selection here was. Um, since this is, we're still in Carpenter here, so it's from 1982. It's the thing. I knew that was going to be on your list. Uh, yeah, it almost wasn't because I kind of forgot about it, and then I was like, <laughs> I was like, what goes with Halloween? And I was just like, oh wait, I have to have the thing, and I was pretty sure you would have in the mouth of madness. Yeah. So I was like, I have to do the thing. Um, well, it's good because I've never seen the thing or any iterations of the thing. Mm-hmm. So another shame, shame on my shame yeah. on me, but well, okay, so th- it's a remake. Technically, yeah, of the 1951 uh, film, which is also gr- a great movie, by the way. Um, I've seen most of that. It's, that it's a classic because it's uh, Howard Hawks was the producer, and he's known for um, like the very like snappy dialogue. Uh, he'd done you know stuff like um, you know I'm, I'm not sure the the titles at this point, but like a lot of he was known in sort of the kind of late 40s, early 50s mm-hmm. for that real sort of. Um, Back and forth banter, yeah, snappy dialogue, a lot of talking over each other, which that was not really done back then, back in the day. Um, so, and he kind of took that. Um, the thing was directed by somebody else, but it was um, the director was kind of like a like a Howard Hawks protege, kind of, mm-hmm. you know. So he kind of helped a lot with it. Um, so it has it has the Howard Hawks feel, and. Um, it's it's a great movie in its own right, 
But the Carpenter version, what he did was he kind of went back and incorporated more of um, the original story, which was um, John Campbell, um, who was like uh, the uh, famous sort of editor of like um, astounding science fiction. Where mm-hmm. like people like you know Isaac Asimov got their start, right? Like all this, you know. I mean, he's kind of like the legendary sci-fi magazine editor, um, but he was also a writer himself, and he wrote uh, this story called "Who Goes There," which was the basis for the thing. Um, and so Carpenter wanted to kind of incorporate more of the original story into his version, where uh, the thing um, can copy like people. And stuff, and right. and it's more about like the the paranoia of not knowing who is who is the thing, and what's going on, and everything, and it's 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 all about like the the tension and paranoia of not knowing like that the enemy is amongst you, but you don't know who it is, um, which is something that they didn't really have in the fifties version because the fifties version was more of a straightforward monster movie. It was yeah. you know this alien monster has crashed on the earth, and then. He's thought out, and then he starts attacking everybody. It's a really good movie, but it's, you know, it's 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 its own thing. Um, but in the Carpenter version, uh, yeah, so the thing basically can copy people and stuff. And this is where we get into what kind of really is the the standout feature about it, which is the effects, the the physical effects, because. Uh, this just has some of the most grotesque, oh yeah, like disgusting, shocking, horrifying, but just like, like oh my god, kind of physical effects, right? Uh, just the designs and stuff. What does remind me vaguely of the plot of this? Oh, uh, it takes so, place in like a like a research center yeah, it's in like, the Arctic. Yeah, yeah. So, okay. I have seen this film. I was quite young when I saw it. uh, And I remember almost nothing about it other than, uh, I believe I saw it in a hotel with my dad. Yeah. And I was frequently told to look away from the screen. Yeah, well, no no wonder. Uh, But I mean, but yeah, like it's just um, the creature design stuff, like the special makeup effects and and that um, are just a whole nother level. Yeah. and uh, it's just some of the most, like, grotesque, like, stuff that you could ever see in a movie. Um, it's not really, like, gore like uh, some movies might have. Like, it's not people being ripped open and intestines no, and no, stuff no. like that. But it's just the way that... It's, like, unnatural... The blank. warping of... The warping of flesh and the warping of, of, of you know, things. It, it's just, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's messed up. Um, so it's that body horror... Kind of. Kind yeah. of, yeah. Which, again, it's funny that you mention that because, again, like, body horror is another one of kind of those subgenres that, like, I didn't include anything from that because, no. to me, that's, like, its own thing. Like, even though it's called body horror, yeah. I almost don't really consider it horror. It's, like, its own thing. Yeah. And it's... It's, it's, it's sort of like how monster movies are And it's almost thing. largely confined to... Um, it, it's really... It's a David Cronenberg thing. Yes. And I love Cronenberg films, but... There, there's no, there's no, no like spoilers. There's no Cronenberg anywhere Dit- on my list. Ditto. Because yeah. I just consider it a completely own its own. I, thing. I did the same thing. That I would put be all like the its Cronenberg. own list. I just cut and pasted it out. It was like this will go in a different. That would list be like its day. own list because yeah. I love Cronenberg, but it's a completely different thing. Because mm-hmm. many of his movies are not technically 
what you would consider horror at all. No. But they're still body horror because mm. there's still, you know, that aspect. Anyways, um, uh, yeah, so the thing um, – so one of the things that has always got me with it, one of the things <laughs> um, is uh, uh, just an example of, of one of the really cool sort of technical aspects. Um, it took me years – where there's a scene, uh, this pretty pretty well known scene where they're doing, um, they're testing to try to find out who who's the thing. Um, and what they do is they have they draw blood right. from each person, and they because what they find out is basically that the parts of the thing will all react to the stimulus as if they're an entire organism. Uh, so any part of it. Mm-hmm. You know, it including just like a bit of you blood. could just hack a piece off, and it would just become its own organism. Um, so they basically draw blood and they put it in like a little sort of petri dish. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because obviously they have like the medical lab. Yeah, in, this is on, a very famous base. scene. Yeah, and they have uh, like a they a wire, a piece of wire that's heated up, and then they stick it in the blood, and then to see how it reacts. So obviously, you just in normal blood, you just stick it in, it just kind of hisses. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. it's just a hot wire in blood, no big deal. Um, so there's this super tense scene where they, they're going to each character one at a time, test, doing this blood test. And you don't know mm-hmm. – even the audience at this point has no idea who the thing is, if any of them are. Uh, so the tension is at a 1,000% because you're, it's, the, it's just slowly going through the scene, going through the scene, and you have no idea when it's going to happen. If, if anything will happen, you know, maybe they're going to pull like a red herring on you and nothing will actually happen. And they're going through the test. And when it eventually does happen, it still like startles you because what it is is he's holding the, the main sort of character, like the, the Kurt Russell character. Mm-hmm. He's holding the dish in his hand like this. You, obviously, people listen can't see it, but, you know, just in a normal way, like yeah, with palm upright. Palm of his hand. Um, and they're putting the, the wire in. And then as he puts it in, the one that is from the thing, it, like, leaps kind of yeah. up. Like, the blood just becomes, like, a creature kind mm. of, and it leaps up from the dish. It just kind of pops up. And this made a huge impact on me, not so much for, the, like, the jump scare, which, I mean, is is good, but just for the – on a tactical level of how did they do that? Because mm. – this is before CG. CG. This is before you could kind of do anything on film. So there had to be some physical way for them to do it. This, and, this scene has got a great story associated And with I could it, yeah. not for the life of me figure it out. Like, cause you know, I pride myself on, you know, my, my film knowledge is pretty mm-hmm. good. And I know a fair bit about how practical effects are done and how, how it can be done and stuff. And I could not figure it out for the life of me. And it drove me nuts for literally for years. Um, and then uh, one day I was watching the, the DVD and they had some stuff about it and that. And they explained what it was, was all it is. It's the simplest trick in the book. And I'm such an idiot. I feel like such an idiot. Basically, it's his arm goes down out of frame. And then his hand is coming up from frame, just like in a very natural way. But it's yeah. just how it's framed, holding the Petri dish. Well, the hand that's holding the Petri dish is a false hand prosthetic yeah so his arm is going out of frame and then this false hand is coming up and so all of the worky bits of the practical effect are running through this false hand mm-hmm. so that it can just pop out but it's not it's very good like it for lo- the scene they don't need him to move his fingers no. or anything like that he's just I never noticed anything amiss like mm-hmm. it looked completely realistic to me all through for years and years of watching this film 
that just blew my mind when I yeah. when I found out how how simple it was. I was just like that is what makes practical effects amazing yeah. sometimes. It, it, that's one of the things. Because now like, you would just be like, I'll just do a CG. Everything's just CG. A few years ago, they just recently redid this movie. Yeah. And it, I'm sure it's CG. all CG. It is. Uh, yeah. I've seen parts of it. Yeah. And I, I, I tried to... How, how is it? I, I, I tried to give it, it an honest... looks good. But... I tried to give it... The trailer did look pretty good. I tried to give it like an honest attempt to really watch it. And... I just kind of gave up after probably like 20 minutes or something because it just – it's just very lifeless. It just kind of yeah. sits there. It's just kind of like – it's not bad, but it's just not good either. Like mm-hmm. it's just very pointless. It's kind of like the, 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 the Psycho remake. Like if you're going to make something that's so close to the original but yet you know any changes that you do make are just kind of – Superfluous. Superfluous, yeah. then it's like what's the point? Yeah. You know, like just leave it alone because – well, I think it's one of those uh, cases of, you know, in Hollywood's mind, it's a way of just hitting an, an audience. They can't re-release the old one, so they'll just yeah. hit a new audience with the same old thing. Well, no, you know what it is? It's it, it's it's just basically laziness of, like, we can just reuse yeah. a previously written concept oh, sure. so we don't have to come up with one. It's not even a because, remake. It's a refilm. Well, because they're not <laughs> making it for the original audience no, no. because – most people that are going to be going and seeing the new one have probably never seen the original because it's over 30 years ago. And most people that are going to be going to these kind of movies are probably people like in their 20s yeah. or late teens. Um, and people who are older that were fans of the original are probably going to just turn their noses yeah. up at this and be like, it's going to be crap. So, <laughs> Much like the Robocop we were talking about yeah. earlier. where, But at least with the Robocop, there was an attempt to do something with it. Yeah, it yeah. wasn't great, but they there was an attempt to do something with it. It wasn't like the Psycho where it was literally like but, scene for scene, but the, the, shot for shot. Yeah, and the new version of the thing, the thing, although it's not a shot for shot remake, it's it brings nothing really new mm-hmm. to the table. It's just kind of just sits there. In some ways, and I, it's like, well, then why bother? I appreciate the fact that they're. They, because they sort of they're bringing these stories to an audience that would otherwise have never never will never see them they yeah. just will not a lot of young people will just not go back and when i say young people i mean even people our age yeah uh will just not go back and watch old movies yeah like like anything prior to 1990 is a dead movie you know yeah um and so like in some ways well if it's close enough that you know, it's still a good story to see. Like, th- then I guess it's a worthwhile endeavor for people to see it. You know, it would be nice if maybe there was some way that you could really just interest these people to yeah, go I mean, watch the thing, go watch Halloween. Well, the interesting watch, thing about the thing you know, is that go watch RoboCop. <laughs> the interesting thing about the thing is that there was no, it like didn't become a series. There was no mm-hmm. sequels or anything. So, making the which new- actually in a way is kind of odd. Yeah, but but what I'm what I'm saying though is what's interesting about that is that it's not like you have this whole sort of history of like well they've already driven this series into the ground like say with Halloween or you know they some can of, reboot it so it a... really doesn't matter it's just like add another crappy sequel to the pile who cares but this is something where it was one movie which even though like I say even though it's technically a remake of the the fifties film. It's really kind of its own thing. It's different enough. Right? Um, most people consider it kind of too... And, and there's a case of people who probably watching the 80s were not going to go back and watch the 50s version, so... <laughs> eh, I mean, some people do. Like, yeah. people were more apt to watch older stuff back then, yeah, I think, yeah. than they are now. But, um, 
they were just completely different things. And so I almost don't even think of it as a remake. No. Um, but something like the new version that they did, because that's the only other one that ever existed, mm-hmm. that's the only third sort of thing you have to compare it to. You don't have a bunch of crappy sequels to compare it to. So in that light, my expectations of it are higher, you know, because I feel like, well, you're trying to live up to, you know, this great film, not a whole string of crappy sequels, mm-hmm. you know. Exactly. Yeah. So no, that's great. But those are that's those are two uh, really good selections. Okay, so that was uh, your 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 number two there. Your your John Carpenter John Carpenter selection. Yeah. Excellent. That's. I mean, he is a. I, mean, I don't know if you could say he's the king of horror movies, but he's definitely uh, prolific in that. Uh... Well, and just um, yeah. Mm. All right. So my number one. Um, I don't know how to in, in, how to how to break this movie in. My number one movie is another 90s movie that I saw in the theater. Um, shares something with my number two movie, uh, as it also has Sam Neill in it. Okay, so. Yeah. It is uh, what I thought Directed it was. by Paul Paul Anderson. Yeah. Um, it's uh, Event Horizon. Yeah. Um, Paul W.S. Anderson. Paul W.S. Anderson. Not to be confused with the Paul Anderson that did, like, uh, you know, Boogie Nights and all that. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the good Paul Anderson. As, uh, <laughs> Paul W.S. Anderson... He's pretty much directed nothing but kind of garbage. He's done a lot of video game to movie yeah. stuff. Like, well, I actually really like his movies, but um, he's not. Well I did not critically. Regarded. Yeah, he's not well regarded. No, no. I mean, Mortal Kombat. You know, yeah. uh, that movies like that. But, but Mortal Kombat is often considered one of the better video game movies. Oh, is it? Oh, okay. Even though it's not a great movie, yeah. but. <laughs> Most video game movies are terrible. Terrible, yeah. yeah but yeah. I mean, like the Resident Evil series mm-hmm. is great, great fun. Um, yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, there's lots of he's done yeah. lots of great stuff. Yeah, um, but yeah, stars Sam Neill, Lawrence Fishburne. Um, this movie uh, was a box office flop. Uh, n- d- did not make its money back. Yeah. Um, received very poor reviews, but has since gotten a cult following. Mm-hmm. Um, this I, is. And, I thought it was good right from the start. The uh, only I, problem that I have with it is I don't like how um, the early stuff sets it up like very like hard sci-fi. Sci-fi like it, it, there's a lot of references to like technical things mm-hmm. and everything seems very sort of logical and I and well thought out and like scientific. And then they just do some really stupid stuff like the whole. Um, well, the thing that really breaks it for me is the whole. Um, vacuum oh well, yeah, vacuum yeah, yeah. thing oh, where yeah. it's all the typical like myth, quite total recall all the but... myths of 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 what happens with that like are not at all what the, actually when, you, when someone's exposed to vacuum space yeah, yeah, yeah that scene pissed me off so much because yeah, it was yeah. so bad yeah. but um other than that that yeah. that's the only thing i don't like about it but it's this a, movie, it's a really good I've, movie i've Somewhat seriously, somewhat jokingly, over the years since I've seen this movie, referred to this as, for me, the scariest movie ever. Um, it it covers... It's pretty, it's pretty effective. It It is both, like, visually, like, psychologically, um, like, horrific. Um, and, uh, like you just said, it starts off as, a like, a hard sci-fi movie where the, they're, the, the, the plot of the movie, for those who haven't seen it... Um, is uh, a, a rescue vessel, a, a spaceship, receives a distress signal from a, a ship that's been gone for, like, disappeared seven years ago. And 
they so they respond to it um and upon finding the ship they find like the, the ship abandoned of its crew um uh, and the ship had a um, a very uh, had an experimental like warp drive system on it. Mm. Uh, and the ship itself is called the Event Horizon, which is where the movie comes from. Yeah. And Sam Neill, who is the designer of the the ship, is comes along with the rescue crew, which is led scientist. by Lawrence, the scientist. And he's the, the rescue crew is led by Lawrence Fishburne. Yeah. Um, and then they get to the ship and they start exploring the ship, and then sort of it, it, typical in horror movies, sort of everything just goes sort of south from there. Um, and it starts off slow, and then it gets real. It gets real bad and real dark for everybody involved. Um, yep. And I love this. Is uh, not only my top horror movie. This is a top five movie for me. Um, I haven't seen it in a number of years. Uh, I, I, I like to space out my viewings of this movie, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, it. Uh, everything from uh, the the pacing of this movie to the ending is terrific. Uh, it, it is a bit of that sort of typical horror ending, but I I find I think for a lot of people this movie maybe isn't a horror movie. Uh, I think it's just sort of a, just a sort of a space sci fi movie, uh, probably in the same sort of categories like Aliens without the aliens kind of thing. Well, I, um, I would say definitely compared to some of the other kind of um, like hybridized things, like I talked about, about that at the beginning. And how, like, I don't really consider a lot of those things actual, like, horror movies. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd say compared to those, it definitely is more of a horror movie. Like, it's about as close as you can get to being uh, a true horror movie mm-hmm. uh, with with sort of, you know, this uh, kind of more hard science fiction kind of setting. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean... I was pretty confident you'd have it on your list when you said when you talked about it in the mathematics. I thought it was like, oh, well, maybe he won't because yeah. he doesn't want to have, you know, uh, the but, d- double Sam Neill. Yeah, on but, there. but but no, you did. So I sort of expected that because obviously we've talked about it. Um, I haven't seen it in a long time, a mm-hmm. long long time either, probably longer than you, um, because it was never like a big favorite. But um, I liked it. Um, I would watch it again. I don't have anything against the idea of watching it again. It just doesn't really mm-hmm. seem to come up very often. Um, uh, yeah, I, I have the so I don't really have the a whole special lot special director's edition cut DVD. Yeah, uh, which is I bought it, and when I bought, I have not seen it since. So yeah. this is my I'm about. I think I'm probably gonna. I might watch it this month as part of sort of the you know Halloween spooky. I have it month. too now, but yeah. I've never watched my copy either. Um, but. Uh, this is a movie where I, I consistently like bits and pieces of it when I see other horror movies or other sci-fi kind of like reminded or yeah, I'm consistently reminded of it. Um, I feel inadvertently whether it it has or not, um, a lot of sci-fi, I don't say scary sci-fi, but sort of alternative sci-fi movies, uh, in the last sort of decade or so, uh, whether they got their influence off seem to have gotten a lot of influences from Event Horizon. There's a few movies like Sunshine and It's hard to like a few of these It's like, hard to think that they haven't. Yeah. Because you, the the similarities are so yeah apparent. Mm-hmm. But at the same time you gotta think like It's possibly obscure enough in yeah, some like ways. It, that, it wasn't a hit, so no, yeah. eh, it's hard to say. Yeah. You know, but it's hard to believe sometimes because you see these things and you're just like, okay. 
They must have seen Event yeah. Horizon. Well, it's, uh, Event Horizon has become a cult classic enough in a way that I think that its influence on those kind of movies oh, has possible. become a thing. Yep. But yeah, no. So that's my number one. Cool. Um, uh, I don't have a lot to say about it because I, I honestly I don't remember it super well at this point. But I always liked it. I just had issues with certain aspects. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I do. I, I do too. Like, like sort of that stuff. Like anytime that sort of things like it is, it's. They're, they're distractions from what like, make the movie gr- good, which yeah. is a bit of a bummer. But yeah, um, but I, 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 it's another one of those movies where, like the mouth of, in the mouth of madness, this place where this is a tomb. This place is a tomb. <laughs> yeah, where there's enough, um, there's uh, sort of enough things samples. that happen in this movie where I don't like to talk about the plot points too much because I feel it's anytime you talk about bits and pieces of this movie, all you're doing is sort of spoiling something that's going to happen. Yeah, that's and, fine though. And so That's I, 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 I sort of recommend this, like, if you like scary movies and you like yeah. a sort of a Because I think probably a lot of people now probably don't know about it. Oh. Or don't remember yeah, it. So, you know, so it, I, I can't believe this movie's over 20 years old it's a good It's a good recommendation to be able to make because mm-hmm. a lot of people would be like, oh, I haven't seen that. And then yeah. they might check it out and they might mm-hmm. enjoy it. Yeah. Or they might not, but... Yeah, you know, so that's that's my number it. one, my favorite horror movie Perfect. of all time. Well, it's good, it's good to, like, be able to definitively know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, All right, so, so I, do you have two for your number one as well? Or? Yeah, of course. Okay, okay. Um, I wasn't sure if you would do so, axe down number one to just no. So them. my category here is um, I'm just going to call it the favorites. Oh, okay. Um, so this is a, the personal category. I've read, I've read, <laughs> I've mentioned both of these before on the podcast okay. as being my favorite horror mm-hmm. movies. So. For for those with the keen ear, I, I believe actually you mentioned one of them last week. <laughs> for those with the keen ear who have who have been really paying attention, uh, you'll already know what these are going to be. Uh, so uh, it's uh, 1978, Dawn of the Dead by George Romero, mm-hmm. um, and then I'll just say the other one right away. Uh, 1984, Nightmare on Elm Street by Wes Craven. Yeah. So I've specifically mentioned before, even like yeah. on the podcast itself, that those are my two favorite horror movies. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, so Dawn of the Dead um, is um, – you'll notice a distinct lack of zombie movies uh, in my list and in my uh, most are rubbish. references because, uh, yeah, basically most are rubbish. Um, and it's a genre or subgenre that I've gotten extremely sick of um, and I can't stand pretty much anything um, that comes out with it um, with very few exceptions. Um, but – Basically, if they're not doing something really interesting with it, I I don't care. Well, it's it is one of those because it's all been done. <laughs> like seriously, the best zombie movie ever made mm. is Dawn of the Dead, which came out what is that thirty yeah seven years ago. And it's so it's one of those genres where there's so many unless takes you're doing something it, really interesting with it, I don't care. It, it's one of those yeah. It's one of and, it's, and the zombie genre is one of those genres where there's so many takes. And that's on a personal it. opinion. A lot of people, you mean you know, uh, Walking Dead is hugely popular yeah. right now. A lot of people but it's are really so different. That. It's so different. And then, really and then you get into things like does nothing for me. Zombies yeah. and and it just like I'm not. You can go wide and far with this, yep. but to, when you get to the root of sort of where this genre started, yeah, Dawn of the Dead, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it started with Night of the Living Dead. Which was the mm-hmm. Romero's first film, yeah, '68, mm-hmm. um, and and *The Living Dead* kind of really marked a transition between the old style of horror movie, yeah. which which I mean we often would barely even consider horror nowadays because well, stuff like we associate horror with you know um, 
just a more deeper level of either psychological mm-hmm. f- fear or um or graphic you know especially the graphic stuff you know mm-hmm. like in horror movies you think there's going to be you know there's going to be lots of blood and some gore and some probably some nudity and some cursing and the blah 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 well especially people our age we influence with a lot of the 80s tropes yeah of, but yeah. but i mean but in yeah. the old days you know you go back to like well frankenstein was considered 1930s, a horror movie the 1940s you know? yeah those kinds of movies and would, i mean for the time they would were. never be considered horror now um and they're really good in their own way. I like some of those movies a lot. Um, but the, but nowadays, they would never be considered horror. Night of the Living Dead came at a time where it was kind of marking a transition from the old style and the new. Um, so it had the, the first kind of uh, emotions towards actually having gore and things like that. But it was, st- it was very primitive. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was – there was a 10-year gap there. Where they made that film, and then it was not until ten years later that the second film, you know, nominally the second film in the series, even though they're all their own thing, none of them are directly related to each other. Um, but Romero, you know, came out with the second one, Dawn of the Dead, in '78, and that was really, as you say, the beginning of mm-hmm. the whole new thing. That was where gore really first started like there it existed to a certain degree before that but nothing like dawn of the dead you know you you'd never really seen people being ripped apart and organs strewn and all that kind of stuff before um but dawn of the dead what makes what makes it on one of my favorites is it's it's really hard to kind of directly put your finger on it's all about how you sort of how a movie makes you feel or how you sort of like how it kind of touches you <laughs> weird thing to say about like disgusting zombie movie. But, 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 but that's actually a very good thing to say about but it. like it's the same way way that show me show me on the doll where the movie touched you but it's the same way like i you know i usually cite if i have to cite one like favorite movie period i usually cite like superman mm-hmm. the movie which strangely enough also 78 um but it's like how how do i explain why that's my favorite movie it's really hard. I mean, mm. sure, I could go through and like list off scene after scene after scene after scene that are, that but are it's, awesome. It's, it's a package. It's but a whole. It's just how it hits you, how it makes you feel. Mm. And Dawn of the Dead is like that for horror. Um, it has a good amount of humor, but without ever crossing that line over to being comedic. Yeah, like it's not a horror. It's comedy. a dark humor. It's not a horror comedy, but there is a certain amount of humor. Just from like the quirky, like how characters are, you know, mm-hmm. there's the line about, there's the guy who's like, we got this, man. We got this by the ass. <laughs> and like just stuff like that where you're just like, it's so, like, it's just, it's, it makes you laugh. Brief but chuckles. It makes the, you laugh, yeah. but it's, it's just a brief chuckle because yeah. the horror is real. Um, the, the whole, like. <laughs> there's so, a good tagline. The horror is real. Yeah, but the whole, like, <laughs> the, then there's like the whole social satire aspect of it, which was mm-hmm. a big part of it. Mm-hmm. You know, the whole, um, all taking place like in a shopping mall and the whole, um, metaphor of the zombies being like, you know, uh, consumer obsessed, you know, the general public going into these shopping malls and wandering around like zombies spending money. You know, it, it was very much of that's, that's a major part of it. Mm-hmm. And, what's great about that and one of the things that makes the movie so good is there's actually like another layer to it because here they are making fun of that uh consumer culture of 
you know, people going in and walking through malls like zombies. They're making fun of that and, and satirizing that in a dark way <laughs> while literally filming in a real mall at night while it's closed, filming all night, you know, spreading fake blood and guts everywhere and doing all kinds of weird stunts and crazy shit and then cleaning everything up so that the mall can open in the morning at its regular opening time and all the zombies yeah, yeah. can come in and do their shopping. None the wiser. Zombie by day, zombie by night. None the wiser about what's going on at, in it at night. That is so brilliant to me. Like that says everything right there about the brilliance of the satire. The fact that they were actually, you mm. know, like the real thing that they're satirizing was going on in this place and they actually had to like clean up every night. <laughs> before the mall open so that people could come in and do their their thing um yeah i mean it just it's got good like actiony bits where you know there's like a lot of stunts like running cars through zombies and stuff like that which again is is standard in that genre now but this is all kind of the first time that a lot of that kind of stuff isn't done um it, it's just Again, it's just one of those things that's very like Halloween in its in its genre. It's very seminal. It's very mm-hmm. it set the standard for everything that came after. So there might be some stuff that came after it that might seem a little more flashy or a little bit more slick because obviously they're still limited in budget and what they could do. Even though they you know they had a much bigger budget than a lot of earlier movies, but you know they're still limited. Um, but it's you know. It's it's kind of uh, Night of the Living Dead was sort of the proto version, but this was sort of the one that really. Well, this kinda, is the iconic. This is the one that really started the mm-hmm. whole, you know, the ball rolling. Um, so to me, it's kind of like I think that zombie stuff, zombie movies are not inherently that interesting to me. So it's no surprise to me that I kind of got sick of the genre because. It's kind of all really the same. Like when the biggest innovation that you can make is, oh, they're faster now. Yeah. Really? That's all you got? That's actually, great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Huge innovation there. <laughs> you know, like that. That just really enhances mm-hmm. it. Like that's all you can really do because well, the, the it's such setting, a simple setting change is really all you. you it's such you a get. simple genre, a simple concept. Yeah. George Romero, when he sort of created this, essentially because. Uh, Modern zombie, the whole modern zombie genre is basically derived from his work, even though that was never his intention. Mm -hmm. He didn't mean to create a genre, and originally his stuff was not supposed to have anything to do with zombies. They were not zombies. He he referred to them as ghouls Mm -hmm. because they're flesh eaters. Yeah, Uh, they're living dead flesh eaters. Um, Zombies is like entirely different thing that has to do with voodoo Voodoo religion, and it's basically controlling people's minds and things like that and and making them into, like, mindless slaves and stuff. That's what zombies are. How this got attributed to the zombie, like, some bad marketing there. Or good marketing, I guess. I've never seen, like, a really good explanation of where that connection came from, but somehow those wires got crossed, and this became the zombie genre, even though it has nothing to do with it. The word zombie, like, focus tested better than ghoul, I guess. Yeah, even though it has nothing to do with it. <laughs> yeah. Romero never used the term, and, and either, he never used the term in the movies. No. Um, and uh, he doesn't use the term personally. Um, that was not his intention. Um, so uh, he kind of inadvertently spawned this whole genre. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and uh, you know, uh, you can't. Well, I think the, you can't him, hold him responsible for the, the shortcomings of. Like, I've, I've it, seen, I've seen a lot of zombie movies, know, and he, I think he, the big thing that intended. separates uh, sort of the movie, the zombie movies that are influenced by George Romero's work mm-hmm. versus other zombie movies, um, in terms of like what tries to make them different is uh, stuff like his zombies. It's not the zombies themselves. I mean, even outside of the satirization uh, of what they represent, it's it's they are a they're they're similar to what we were talking about in the descent. Is yeah. they're an environmental hazard. Yeah, they're they're like and it's more about they're like how, an, how the characters react exactly. To them it's like a, it's like how a, the characters interact with each other. They're like an earthquake or a tornado. Of, yeah. Like yeah. it's you can't defeat it. It's all about surviving. I it. agree, and I think that's fine in and of itself, mm-hmm. but. Why do you need like a thousand friggin' movies about it? Because well, there's not I mean, really a lot to say. You change the setting and you change yeah, the characters but, and stuff like that. But and everybody, of course, you know, different people want to do their take on it. Yeah. But ultimately, it's all going to boil down to it, that sort just, of same thing. There's not enough yeah. there to support yeah. an entire subgenre. I'm sorry, there just isn't. Yeah. My opinion, but yeah. there is. I mean, yeah. I mean, the fact that there's a million of them. You know, clearly that subgenre can be supported. Well, people's well, appetite I mean, for uh, it. There's not enough to support it on an artistic level. Yeah, 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 because consumer-wise, there's an appetite for it for sure. But yeah, yeah no, exactly. We'll see. Yeah, I feel like it's kind of a yeah. it's kind of a fad right now. Yeah. But I, I feel right when the movies, the sort of the zombie movies, started to peter out. That's where zombie video games picked up from, and we just got to ride that roller coaster again, whether we wanted to yeah. or not. All right, and then so my other choice, of course, as I said, was Never on Elm Street. Yeah, 1984, Wes Craven. Uh, we've talked about this. I'm a glad bit. You had, we had this on here, so we had a Wes Craven movie. Well, on Well, we've here. talked about this before a little bit. Um, yeah, uh, interesting thing with Wes Craven is that even though this would be like my favorite horror movie, um, I actually don't really like that many of his movies. Mm-hmm. Um, as opposed to say something like Carpenter, where like I feel like you know it was like bam, 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 bam. Oh, they yeah, were just yeah. like good, 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 good. Um, with Wes Craven, like he never really seemed to break out of the kind of box that he got into. That well, um, he made a couple of things that were sort of a little bit not as horror-y and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, he just yeah he never seemed to really quite be able to get out of the thing. Well, caught, and, and, caught in a loop of, yeah, of recreating the... And, and um, his stuff was definitely, I think, of more... Um, well, more up and down quality-wise. So... Um, I think that this one is definitely a masterpiece, but yeah, unfortunately, um, I, you know, I, I have a lot of respect for him. I think he was really cool. Um, he seemed like a really nice dude and, you know, and obviously he, he passed away not super long ago. And we, yeah. we talked about that previously on the podcast and stuff and, and, you know, that's unfortunate, but, um, if I'm honest, you know, he, he did a lot of movies mm. I didn't really like that much. So it is what it is, but, uh, this one, um, so what makes this my favorite okay so obviously a lot of people have heard of this series um there is um six movies in the original run mm-hmm. the seventh was new nightmare which Wes craven returned for my personal favorite it's really good i mean that it's it, it would be like an alternative choice i mean it's amazing i love it almost was on my list but um so he came back for that, but it's its own thing, which is it's not really technically part of the original series yeah. because, you know, well, I've, I've talked about it before, so I've explained. Yeah, yeah. well, we talked about it. Well, I've explained the, what the it West is. Episode, yeah, I've yeah. explained all about it before, but it's kind of its own thing. And then after that, um, 
Freddy versus Jason is considered technically to be both the eighth uh, Nightmare on Elm Street movie and the eleventh Friday the Thirteenth movie. Simultaneously, it's pretty enjoyable. I yeah. mean, it's it's kind of silly, but it's yeah, pretty, it's, it's quite silly. It's pretty enjoyable. I, I think um, that's actually what makes it kind of good is that it doesn't. It's like, look, we know this it just, premise is it just, ridiculous. It just gives you what yeah. what people want. Yeah, like yeah, people yeah. just wanted Freddy versus Jason, yeah. and that's what it gave them. Like it, it didn't <laughs> done and done. It didn't, you know, it didn't try to go any deeper than that. Yeah. Um, but so it's a pretty long running series, but. As is usual for these kinds of things, Wes Craven had very little to do with it after the original. Um, he came, he wrote a script for the third Dream Warriors, which is quite good. Um, I don't know how much of his work is actually in the final thing. I don't know if they stayed very close to his script or if they kind of went off on their own thing because he didn't direct it. They, I don't know. They could have done anything. So I don't know how closely it goes to his work, but it's pretty enjoyable, the third one. Um, and then, like I say, he returned to write and direct um, New Nightmare. Um, so, the again, kind of like with Evil Dead, although the rest of the Friday, thir- um, sorry, the rest of the Nightmare on Elm Street series, I do that all the time too. Yeah, it's <laughs> I don't know why they're it's not just, even vaguely. It's because like... they both have the like of the the something yeah, yeah. of the something of the yeah. But um, the rest of the Nightmare on Elm Street series. Uh, while it doesn't descend into complete sort of comedy and ridiculousness like Evil Dead does, um, it, they definitely get more lightweight mm-hmm. as it goes on, and and there's more comedic aspect, and and Freddy especially is it gets a lot jokey, gets very jokey as it goes on um, to kind of a ridiculous degree. Um, but the original film is is like I say, much more of like a true horror film. It's still scary. It does have some dark humor, even at that point, because the thing that separated Freddy from a lot of these other uh, slasher and sort of horror characters like Jason from the Friday the 13th movies or Michael Myers from Halloween movies and stuff like that is he has real personality. Mm-hmm. He is a character. He's very much a character in his own right. Um in the truest sense, like when people say, "Like, oh, that guy's a real character," you know, he's a character. Um, where these other slasher killers and stuff like that are often just kind of uh, very anonymous, like they have a mask or something. Silent and death machines. Silent death machines. Yeah. Uh, Freddy's always making comments. He always has a lot of well, character. I think the big thing he is has he's... very personal motivation for what he's doing. Yeah. When a lot of these kind of killers are like. You know, okay, maybe they're getting revenge for something that mm-hmm. happened in their past or something, but they're very because they don't talk about it. It's like their motivation is very kind of like like someone tells you what their motivation is, but you don't yeah. really see their motivation in their character because they ha- they act like emotionless. Yeah, you know, Frey actually has feelings. Mm-hmm. You know, in the sense of like he gets angry, he gets you know, yeah. He, he, you know, he and has I, character. He has a backstory, um, and he's he's constantly talking and saying things and making comments. and And even in the original film, they are kind of funny sometimes, but in a really dark sort of way. And it never loses sight of the fact that it's supposed to be a horror movie and it's supposed to be scary. Um, it, it's more threatening. Like like he's funny in a threatening way. Like mm-hmm. like in a in an actual frightening way rather than just a jokey way. Mm-hmm. You know, so. I, I think that's that's the, I think that's one of the things that separates Friday Thirteenth 
I did it again. Nightmare on Elm, Nightmare Street. On Elm Street from things like Friday the 13th and a number of other movies in that sort of genre of, uh, I don't know what you want to call killer movies, yeah. um, where Freddy Krueger is the main character yeah. in those films. Versus like in Jason, Jason is a thing that kills people, but the cast of characters well, he's killing are the characters of the movie. Because yeah, again, because Jason cer- doesn't speak, certainly in the series, you don't as spend a whole, enough time with him. Yeah. In the on series his own. as a whole, I would definitely agree with that. In the first movie, I would say yeah. Nancy, the Heather Langham character, Nancy is is actually like a pretty strong protagonist. Like yeah. it follows her the right the way yeah. through. But but Freddy yeah. is a major part of it, and and he's like a true antagonist rather than just being like a, a faceless, you yeah. know characterless killer he's he's there you know yeah um but yeah uh, another thing i really like uh obviously um never on elm street was also one of the first um sort of horror movies where um like visual effects really became a thing because mm-hmm. it's dealing with like dream worlds and sort of uh almost like mystical um things it's not just a relentless killer coming after people and stabbing them or something there's actual like sort of almost what you might call like superpowers <laughs> at play here. Um, so there is actual like visual effects. There's, you know, like animation effects of like things going ding and, you know, like a, a glittery, you know, mm. people disappearing and things like that, which is something that is, um, I mean, it's very primitively done, but cause it's, you know, low budget movie, but that was kind of like a new thing for horror movies. And at that point, because, uh, while you know special effects, you know physical stuff, makeup, things like that were a big deal, uh, prosthetics, all that were a big deal. Uh, actual visual effects, you know, post production, you know, uh, uh, what would the stuff that would now be the sort of CG and stuff like that was um, not really done so much. Then. No, um, that was more of the place of like you know science fiction movies and stuff or fantasy, um, and this kind of took it into that just that one more step towards sort of fantasy aspect where they actually had like some visual effects and stuff um another thing uh that's really separates it from a lot of other sort of horror movies of its time and that that it kind of were part of that scene is uh the characters are in most of these kind of horror movies like you look at all the friday the 13th movies and things like that which can be enjoyable but the characters are usually all very like their caricatures and they're usually very over the top. The, well, they fit the archetype, yeah, and then that's all like, they are. Like I was talking about before, like there's always like there'll be a nerd or like a weird guy. Uh, yeah, and there'll be like a sort of a jockey yeah. kind of douchebaggy guy. Yeah, yeah. There'll be like you know the airhead girl. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. And there'll be all the the, the weird sort of like the gothy girl or yeah, the yeah, weird yeah. girl. You know, there, there's all this sort of stereotypes, and then they play them like over the top, so they're never anything close to like real people. Mm-hmm. Um, the characterizations are always just so ridiculous and, and then you just watch them get killed off, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. and you don't really care in, in, not, well, because that's all they are. They, they, they are just the characters. Yeah, Cause it's designed to be that way in the original Nightmare on Elm Street. Um, there's a smaller group of, of characters and they're much like in Halloween. Um, they're played a lot more like it's a lot more minimal to where, they they behave much more like real people, or at least, you know, realistic characters in a movie. Anyway, um, they're they're not just stereotypes. They're not played like so over the top ridiculous. They're played, you know, very um, reserved. Uh, not reserved. 
I know what you mean. I'm not thinking of the word that I want here, but well, they're played more like a understated. Understated, understated yeah. is the word that I'm looking well, for. Well, they're un- they're played not like characters so much in a horror movie. They're played like characters in, in a, it would in be like normal. a proper yeah. like actual movie, exactly. Um, and so when they have things happen and their reactions and stuff, it's much more like yeah, that's how it would actually be if this happened. Um, and I think by concentrating on a slightly smaller group of characters, mm-hmm. like uh, part of the problem that a lot of uh, horror films of this time have is that because of this whole thing of having to one up yourself yeah. uh, with more and crazier kill scenes and stuff like that is you end up with these huge casts where, you know, most of them aren't going to last more than, you know, uh, are not going to last very long once, the, once the festivities begin as it were. But, um, you know, they have to have all so many characters because of this huge body count that they feel like they have to have. But in, in this, it's like there's a relatively small number of characters. Uh, the the kills are spaced out quite well, and they all have impact and meaning. Mm-hmm. It's not that thing of just like, oh, well, there's another one of our friends yeah, dead. Yeah, yeah. Well, there, another one of us is going to be dead two minutes from now, so yeah, who cares? Yeah, yeah. You not know, like yeah, every ten minutes on the clock, somebody gets like the all, all the kills are very impactful. Um, and they're important because it's this small group of kids that's just slowly getting picked off one at a time and there's nothing they can do about yeah. it as far as they know because they can't you know what's happening in their dreams they can't control it mm-hmm. um, until of course you know Nancy realizes mm-hmm. that she can control it to a certain degree because you know if if you have that power in a dream then you can take that power as well and so part of this movie also is it's 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 really a big thing in the in the sort of um, empowerment kind of thing where um, it's not so much the the sort of like uh, oh we barely survived that horrible ordeal and it's like it's a case of like it, Nancy becomes more like instead of being a typical kind of horror uh, heroine she's more like. Um, you know, something like 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 Ripley from the Alien movies type yeah. of thing, where she's just like, okay, that's enough of this shit. Yeah, yeah. Like you're not gonna, you're not taking me out. Mm-hmm. You know, and she basically, you know, I mean, she basically takes her power, her personal power, and says like, you know, I'm not afraid of you. You know, you, you this is, you, it's my house. You only have the power over me that I allow you to have. Mm-hmm. And she basically kicks Freddy's ass. Yeah, like. You know, because she's which is again one of those things you don't usually see in the horror movies. It's usually survivors barely survive. They barely There's make it. Very rarely yeah, like turn they, they manage just at the end. They're able to, you know, yeah. like the the killer gets ensnared in something, and you know, often the killer not even defeated. It's just they yeah. get away. You yeah, know, they or they get or they get just away. get away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like like Texas Chainsaw type of thing. Yeah, yeah. But in this, it's like. The, you know the the number of sequels might kind of diminish the triumphant aspect yeah. of this ending a little, but if you just look at it as in and of itself, like she kicks his ass mm-hmm. because she's just like I'm not having it, like, and that's a really good message, um, and like an empowering thing to send out, um, to say like, you know, look, it seemed the like the world seems scary and life seems scary, but you know you can. You know, you can mm-hmm. you can step up and you can say like, no, like I'm gonna do what I have to do and what's right for me. You know, so uh, almost like a metaphor there too. But it's you know, it's it's a really it's a great sort of cathartic way because I you know horror movies are often like a uh, the, the cathartic aspect is a big part of horror movies because obviously you can't go out and start murdering people. 
Um, well, you can, but I'd sort of discourage it. Um, and but like in horror movies, it's like you can be like, oh, ha ha. But oftentimes you get that thing where you get the end, like the 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 bad end to yeah. horror movies, where they think they're being clever by like like oh, you know, they don't actually get away, or like you know, there's the you think they think they they're safe and then you know they're grabbed from behind and yeah. then cut to credits you, yeah. we referenced that before right mm-hmm. which can work but eventually you just get to the point where you're just kind of like well then what was the point of that yeah all we did was like uh, watch 90 minutes of people being horribly killed <laughs> yeah. and then nothing well i mean and, and then, that in is, the end like nothing happened that is an aspect like, that no, is an aspect of the horror there was of no the, release you there know? is that is the aspect of the horror is the uh, some movies do the they play that to the there is no escape yeah and but they but let like, you think there is I and know. then and then that's the true that's, horror is there but that's is no terrible because yeah. it's like life sucks enough as yeah, it is yeah, yeah, why yeah. you need to like drive it home like that which is one of those um i think bringing bring that cathartic release where you can turn around and say and take your own power you take it back and, yeah. and be like i'm not going to allow this to happen mm-hmm. i'm going to survive no matter what yeah and you you, and you have you know you kick that that killer's ass because that killer represents yeah. you know all the bad stuff in in life. It's like to me that's an even better cathartic release. Mm. Not that I mean there have been good movies. Good I look at my, I look at my list and I'm like not a lot of cathartic release. No, no. On here. And and there are good <laughs> horror movies where it has like the the downer ending. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, you can be done. I'm not saying yeah. it should never be done. I'm just saying that 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 takes it to another level of just you're just like. Tension, 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 and then in the end, ah, yeah. yeah, that was yeah. awesome, right? See, I, I, I guess it's the difference between what you and I like out of a horror movie. I like it when they, I get to the point where I'm like, like, yeah, look, they, they defeated the bad guy, they defeated the bad guy, and then if they hit me with that surprise, oh no, they didn't ending, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm good either way, as long as it's done well. Exactly. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm not gonna, you know, I was gonna give some specific examples, but I guess I would no, spoil some movie, so I'm not going to. But that's yeah. fine. Yeah, there's no um, need to. But yeah, no, no, that's great. I'm, I'm glad you got that movie on 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 your yeah. list. Oh, um, done. So uh, before we go to our honorable mentions, uh, I'm just gonna we can quickly go back oh, to yeah, our yeah. list here. Yeah. Um, my number five is a tie between Perfect Blue and The Guardian. Uh, number four is The Ring. Number three is The Mist. Number two is In the Mouth of Madness. And number one is Event Horizon. Cool. All right, so five for me it was The Exorcist and The Shining, four was The Ring and The Descent, three was Evil Dead and Hellraiser, two was Halloween and The Thing, and one was Dawn of the Dead and Nightmare on Elm Street. Nice. Only one crossover there. That's we're getting better at this. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just think um, yeah. the the subject matter. Um, are just di- uh, are different we're we're running along here. So for honorable mentions, I'm just going to quickly. Okay. Group these into a couple of different types. Yeah, uh, that's, I got, that's the way uh, I have the, it. The, the comedic horror. Yeah. Uh, I got uh, I got Return of the Living Dead. I don't even know if you could really call it horror. I, but... left, I left that off because... <laughs> I love that movie. <laughs> I left it off, but it is actually really good. Yeah. Um, I just felt like... Um... I also spawned innumerable sequels. Um, oh, no, I do have it. You do have it? Yeah. I do have it. Uh, I've got um, Cabin in the Woods. And I would actually mention as well... Um, uh, Return of the Living Dead three. Yeah, I um, don't know which sequels I've seen. I would but... recommend uh, as well. Um, it's not especially good necessarily, but it's just it's very like um, it's interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
Uh, one that was seen recently called, uh, it's a Japanese movie called House. Yeah. Or House Su. Uh, it, it bizarro horror, yeah. you could say. Oh, man. Um, that movie. We watched it together on, yep. on Halloween. On Halloween, uh, yeah. It was a couple of years year ago. Before last year. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Dead Alive. Yeah. Slash Brain Dead. Yep. Depending on, on where yep. you've seen it. I have that. Um, again, just ridiculous. Just a ridiculous movie, but, but kind of, yep. you know, like, good. Um, uh, Cabin in Woods, I, I, I said, um, some more, more horror kind of movies. I have Hellraiser. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have, uh, Let the Right One In, which, uh, I put in the category of more, uh, sort of a, it's a vampire movie, but also, uh, I look at it, it's, it's very light on the vampire, so it's still more, a little more psychological horror. Yeah. Um, Alien, and, uh, another kind of, uh, a little out of the box one. Uh, Dreamcatcher. Right. Uh, which... I've never seen that, actually. Yeah. Um, it's a Stephen King adaptation. Yeah, Stephen King adaptation. Um, one of those, like... I've heard, it, I've heard interesting things, but uh, sort of never by, I don't it. think a lot of people saw it. I saw it on kind of just like a whim. And uh, good. A really good horror movie. I, it's, again, one of those movies where a, a lot of the scenes like stuck with me, and I'm reminded of them with, when I watch other movies. Yeah. Um, but that's... that's I had, a, I had a short honorable mention. Cool. Last night. Okay, well... Um, I went pretty in-depth just because I basically wrote down anything that I felt like warranted mention. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But as you say, like, there's no need to go into a lot of detail. Mm-hmm. Let's suffice to say Some that of these will be on, could, could be on one Suffice to say, like, I would basically recommend any of these. Like, yeah. if people just want to check them out, check, check out any of these. Yeah. Um, so in uh, horror comedy, yeah. um, I've got uh, – this is a really recent one uh, – is um, Dead Snow 2 Re- – also called Red versus Dead Snow, Red versus Dead mm. in North America. Um, I forgot to put Dead Snow one on my list, but I would have put that on my list. Yeah, well, um, Dead Snow. I haven't the, seen two yet. The original Dead Snow is good. Um, it's there is some humor, but it's it's you know fairly reserved. But the second one goes into full on horror comedy. Oh, uh, okay. And it's actually like horror comedy action. Oh, really? I mean, it's it's just nuts. But it's really really good. I highly recommend it. Um, it would probably be on like a list, like a proper list, yeah. if, if I if I hadn't disallowed horror comedy because it it's amazing. I enjoyed it so much. Um, another one uh, here is um, Black Sheep. Um, Never seen which is that. a lot like you. You should. It's I I keep hearing it, it's a lot like the early uh, the early uh, Peter Jackson stuff. So yeah, a, as yeah, you yeah. Men- you mentioned Dead Live slash Brain Dead. Yeah. Um, so that's early Peter Jackson stuff. That that would definitely be one. Um, the other one is his first one was Bad Taste. Bad Taste, yeah. Uh, which I'd also put in that category. Um, Dead I, I put Bad Taste more in the Cronenberg category. But Dead, Live, yeah. Dead Live is way better. Like yeah. it, it was five years later with yeah. innumerably higher budget. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I think uh, I think uh, Bad Taste was something like twenty five thousand dollars, like uh, twenty five thousand dollars New Zealand dollars yeah, too. Yeah. Uh, something around, around that, something in that range. Whereas um, Dead Alive, I think, was like uh, like a couple million, maybe, yeah, yeah. or maybe maybe a million. So um, yeah, it was a lot uh, more. It was a lot more polished, mm-hmm. and it's it's awesome. But Bad Taste just has some some bits and pieces that you're just like, oh man. My favorite <laughs> thing about Bad Taste is that um, Peter Jackson actually plays a character in it. And because the movie was basically made on pretty much on weekends because everyone had like full time jobs, um, most of the people in it 
would just kind of start not showing up because they weren't really professional actors. They're just people he knew that he yeah. agreed to be in his movie. So they would, you know, they would come from shoot on weekends and stuff like that. And then, cause I think it took like, you know, several years for them to finish it because of, of that schedule. Part-time filming um, basically. So event, yeah, part-time filming. So eventually like other people just started showing up less and less. So Peter Jackson's own character that he plays in the movie just, the, he he, get, he becomes more and more and more of a big part of the movie as That's time right, goes yeah. on because he basically was losing access to all the rest of his cast. Uh, so he was just like, well, he's the only one that he knows is going to show up every every weekend. So he would just had to keep making his own part bigger, essentially. Um, but yeah, it's it's a fun one. Um, uh, the Evil Dead series past past the first one obviously mm, is yeah. some of the most iconic horror comedy yeah um evil dead 2 i have evil dead 2 on my list especially too, but... evil dead 2 especially is I, I love it i mean re darkness is good fun but it's just so yeah i don't even know i, how... I don't it's not a horror movie really it's, it's not a horror action, movie at it's all it's an action movie and yeah. it's just so silly and stuff evil dead 2 is silly but it still retains yeah. some of the horror and well, it's a little closer. It's a little. I mean, just thematically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To the exactly, first, to exactly, the first exactly. Yeah, thank you. That's what I was trying to say. Yeah. Um, Shaun of the Dead. We've talked about a bunch already. Mm-hmm. So those are those. Um, for uh, werewolves, um, I would recommend um, Dog Soldiers. Obviously, yeah. the Neil Marshall film, which we mentioned before. Uh, it's really good. Um, and uh, I actually would recommend the fairly recent, the 2010, uh, the Wolfman film. I think it's really underrated. Uh, it was not a success, and didn't. Do, yeah, no, I, I didn't I, critically do that well either. I, but I was like interested in it, and then I heard nothing good about it. So I was just like, I think oh, it's I really guess it underrated. didn't turn out. I think it's really underrated. I was really impressed when I finally saw it. I think the last werewolf movie um, I saw was the one with Jack Nicholson in it. <laughs> wolf, Wolf. Yeah. yeah, it was like ninety three. I think. Yeah, yeah, ninety two yeah. maybe. Yeah. Um, yeah, but anyways, uh, Wolfman. Um, yeah, I think it's really under underrated. Um, Benicio del Toro has a good performance. Mm-hmm. Uh, Anthony Hopkins is like one of the biggest like assholes in film in this movie. Like he's just terrible. Like and not in like a villain way. I mean, he is a villain, but but not in the typical villain way of just like like he's terrible because he does bad things or whatever. He's just like I say, he's just like an asshole. Like he's just a horrible person all the time. Even the parts where you don't realize that he's the villain. Um, or where he's not directly being the villain. Like, he, he's just a jerk. Um, uh, for slashers, I would say go with, um, other than what I've mentioned, um, the original Friday the 13th, 1980, is good. Uh, definitely the best of the original series, for sure. Um, I mean, some people might who disagree with that, depending on what they're looking for out of it. But for me, like, in terms of the originality and stuff. Um, but I actually, I really like the 2009 the re the reboot version, which I know some people are kind of down on because it's like, well, they made you know ten, eleven other movies, and then you're gonna try to come in and. But for me, the 2009 Friday is like, it's like a greatest hits. Oh. It's basically like let's take all the best elements from all the movies and make one movie using all those best elements. They made it. It was it's really slick, but done in a good way. It, it's just like for production value and for you know all that sort of artistic stuff like i just think it's good so like if i had to recommend one i would actually recommend that one um especially because i think a more recent film will be more palatable for current audiences 
yeah, so so I mean, I would definitely recommend either that or the original. Um, Wes Craven's New Nightmare you mentioned, mm-hmm. 1994, it's really good. Um, and then I would just say um, uh, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre and Black Christmas, both from 74, which I would say just for historical value because um, they were basically like the progenitors of what led to sort of Halloween. Um, they were kind of like the early um, beginnings of like modern slasher films, although I think – I mean Halloween obviously took it to another level. Um, for vampires, I would uh, recommend uh, – uh, this this is like it. Usually, my list generally is from like most recent to oldest. Um, Thirty Days of Night. I think it's really under, underrated. Uh, it's great. Um, I really enjoyed it. Um, I don't know why it didn't get more attention than it did. Um, uh, I like, think maybe everyone just because I know it's who's seen a little it, too different. I, everyone I know who's seen it, like or everyone like the people who've seen it like it. I yeah. just don't think a lot of people saw it. Yeah. Um, and then another one, kind of in the same vein of like way under known and underrated is the forsaken mm. from 2001 yep. um i really enjoyed that and I, I really don't understand why that's not a bigger thing because most people wrong time wrong place most people just... don't seem to know about it at all and i really liked it um bram Stoker's dracula you mentioned mm-hmm. um that was fun um bar- <laughs> barely horror but yeah yeah it still had enough elements that i was mm-hmm. um the best horror the best uh, the best uh, vampire movie for me uh, of all time would be uh, is Near Dark, nineteen eighty seven. I know you you have a special that oh, yeah, it's amazing and it's um, really interesting because it was um, uh, directed by Catherine Bigelow, who uh, at the time was kind of like a protege uh, to um, J- uh, to James Cameron, right. and they were actually married for a short time as well, um, and. Uh, she's gone on to greater fame now with movies like, um, you know, uh, Hurt Locker. That's right. Yeah. And uh, what was the one um, about the torture and stuff? Zero Dark Thirty. Zero Dark Thirty. Yeah. Yeah, like stuff like that, right? Which has made a big splash. And I mean, those are great films of for their own in their own way. But I, I'm not really so much into movies like that. But basically, um, she did Near Dark, and it was done very soon after Cameron made Aliens, and it has a lot of the same cast. Um, so yeah, no, it, it has like, you know, Lance Henriksen and Bill Paxton and, uh, uh, oh, I can never remember her name, but the one who plays Vasquez in Aliens. Yeah. I, I um, don't remember that actress. Jeanette, Jeanette, Jeanette something. Um, anyways, it has like a lot of the same cast and stuff and, and it, it but it's totally different thing. It's like mm. a Western, it's like a modern, like it's like a neo Western vampire noir. Yeah. Um, it is a really good movie. It's one of those ones where I think a lot of people. Like, people have heard of it, but I don't think a lot of people yeah, have seen it. it's awesome. It. Um, actually, uh, I don't know if you've seen it, but the new, they put out, like, a re-release of it, like, for, like, Blu-ray and DVD uh, mm-hmm. in fairly recent years. And they totally, like, the cover looks like uh, something out of, like, uh, like it's trying to be, like, a Twilight movie. Like, uh. like it's very, like, like photoshopped, like, uh. you know, smooth skin and, like, and, like, the colors and stuff, the palette and everything is all very, like, like like teeny bopper like wow. vampire it's hilarious because it's like anybody who thinks that they're gonna get something like twilight when and, and watches near dark is gonna get a big shot yeah, was up? gonna get a big shock and then uh i just have um nosferatu 1922 probably one of the most like um influential mm. uh oh for sure in terms of just like uh you know because that's continued to influence movies to this day mm-hmm. I, I i think nosferatu is a great film my 
only sort of issue that I would say, because I and I've always bitched about this, is that the whole thing about vampires um, being killed by the sun, mm-hmm. being being burned away by the sun or whatever, um, pretty much comes from Nosferatu. Yeah, because that's not in the folklore no. for vampires at all. And basically, it was just an easy way for them to uh, to kill off the, the the vampire at the end of the movie because they essentially had like he's creeping into the girl's bedroom. But the, but but oh but you know the light of day has come and they they open the window up and whoosh, the light streams in and yeah. destroys the vampire. That's not in the folklore and that's something that's been picked up as like a standard trope uh, for vampire movies. And my problem with it is simply that it limits um, the variety and sort of the interesting things because like that's become such a standard rule now that mm-hmm. it's like it's like a given. It's just mm-hmm. like everybody has to do it. Yeah, and I don't think that there should be any hard and fast rule like you have to do this yeah. it, it makes it less interesting to me yeah well so i'll never I, really for, i understand never why really they put not... that limitation in and why in some ways it's because vampires are for the most part like very very powerful so yeah. giving them such a um an over-the-top obvious weakness yeah. is is kind of good to counter their, yeah, their just, over the top becomes, but the fact that it's always the weakness yeah it, it's because it you know, because it's become so um like such a required it's ubiquitous thing. now. It's so yeah. ubiquitous. It's just less interesting because it's like, yeah. well, I'd like to see some different takes on it. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, there, and not, I have, and not, there have been, there and have not been. Uh, that they have to stay out of the sun because they sparkle. sparkle in yeah, it. yeah. I mean, there have been, you know, that's, the that's... the vampires are weak during the day <laughs> yeah. and and that sort of um, thing. So but for it is much rarer. Uh, so really quickly here to finish off uh, for zombies, uh, go. Uh, well, Night of the Living Dead is really important. I, I talked yeah. about that a bunch already, but for for the uh, the seminal aspect. Um, the Night of the Living Dead 1990, the, the remake from 1990 is actually really good. Yeah. And I'd really recommend that if, if, if you want to watch something that's a little more modern than, um, going all the way back to the 68 version, cause the 68 version is quite primitive. It's black and white, uh, which I mean, black, black and white feature film was already mm-hmm. kind of out of date even by 68. Um, but you know, it's low, really low budget and stuff, but the 90 version, um, is actually really good, um, and uh, it's worth a it's worth a look. Uh, Reanimator, yeah. Uh, the original was eighty five. I should have had that on. I should have had that on my also rents. Yeah, uh, it's great. It's a little leaning towards the kind of horror comedy aspect, but it's yeah. it's horrifying enough that it's kind of it's like borderline, but it's it's really cool. Uh, it's it's really crazy and over the top, but it's not always that funny. It's more kind of like. It's almost disturbing sometimes yeah. how, how like over the top it is, um, and then yeah, Return of the Living Dead you mentioned yeah. already, um, <laughs> which also f- could also fall into the comedy yeah, category. It could, it could. It's kind <laughs> of another one that's sort of on the fence. Yeah. Um, and then uh, just really quickly, um, the mist you already talked about. That's mm-hmm. I, oh, this is just kind of a various category. Yeah. Uh, so the mist you talked about already, um, trick or treat. Uh, which is like the anthology from 2007. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we actually, again, that's that same year that we watched House. We the, watched the Trick or Treat. House. That's, we I, watched Trick or Treat. I had forgotten about that movie. I really enjoy that it, one. You know what? It, it didn't crop up on any list. It's I was a really good at. sort I of... I wish I remembered it. That is a you know, really anth- good... Anthology movies are so rare. And Trick or Treat has a really good concept of anthology movie where it's separate stories, but they're all taking place at the same time on the yeah. same... On the There's same, a through line They're there. on the same yeah. Halloween night, so they... Like the stories interact sometimes, but not in, like in a big way. Uh-huh. They're just all taking place on the same Halloween night. Yeah. Um. But it's really clever. Uh. It's really, really, it's a really fun one. Um. The Hills Have Eyes. 
would have to be um, I, I'd have to like chalk that as like one of the best remakes because uh, the original is a Wes Craven film from '77, I think, and it's okay. But um, the 2006 remake, which I've heard it normally is so good. normally it's just like oh remake, well that's never going to be as good, or mm. it'll be good in its own way maybe at best. Mm-hmm. But um, the Hills of Ice has got to be like one of the best like remakes with taking something following the basic thing very closely, but just bring it to another level. It's awesome. Um, uh, another one is um, another Clive Barker, uh, Lord of Illusions from 1995. I really enjoy that movie. Um, I'm angry now. That's the, one, that's angry. the one you forgot. I am you always angry gotta forget now something. because Lord of Illusions, <coughs> I don't know if it would have made, I don't know if I, it's it, okay, man. It would have tied with something. Yeah. It's really good. God damn it. I like that movie. I a really lot. like it. Um, damn it. <laughs> and, and it's the kind of thing where it, it barely missed the the main list, but you know it's you got to make oh. concessions somewhere. Yeah, it, this was tough for me because I a lot of like I said a lot of these a lot of movies a lot of horror movies are movies I have not seen in years, yeah. and I I looked at lists to remind myself of movies, and of course that only goes so far. And yeah, Lord of Illusions not going to appear on a lot of lo- like lists. It's really good, but though. yes, oh. It's funny because we were pretty, talking about Clive Barker pretty movies. Much, pretty much all the movies that Clive Barker has actually made himself are, are really good. Really good, yeah. Like because there's also Nightbreed, which is really yes. good. Like like he he pretty much when he actually decides that he's going to make a movie because he doesn't make that many, but when he actually makes a movie himself, like they're mm-hmm. pretty much always good. Um, in the Mouth of Madness, he talked about it, obviously. Um, and then the other one was this would be in another one in category of like best remakes is The Blob, 1988. Um, it. Yeah, I, they, that's another like hidden gem. Like oh. I, I love the '88 version of the Blob. Um, the original one from the '50s is almost kind of like more comedic. Like it's really that's the one I've seen. I haven't seen. It's the really like it's fun in its own mm-hmm. way, but it's kind of silly and it's just kind of yeah. I wouldn't even consider it a horror it's, movie. It's not. It's, really. a, it's a monster movie. It's not yeah, really. Yeah. It's it's yeah. kind of dumb. But I mean, it's cool in its own way. Like I know there's a lot of fans of it, but uh-huh. um, but the '88 version I think is really underrated. Um, it has some amazing effects. Um, some of them don't hold up as well as what I remembered in my mind because the last time I watched it, I was like, ooh, that one doesn't look as good as I remember. <laughs> but a lot of them look really good still. And um, uh, just the atmosphere and stuff helps with that, obviously. Yeah. Well, 88, um, you know, like. It's really good. A, a lot of effects still were questionable well, in 88. I, I feel like uh, <laughs> about every, like, 30 years or so is, like, a good kind of. Um, rule of thumb for remakes yeah, yeah, yeah. so there's been a lot of talk about a, a new remake of it and i think that actually would be uh not such a bad idea because i think that with the blob that's one area where like current modern effects and like cg mm. and stuff like that would actually probably really do a good job like i don't I, know if that name would really resonate anymore though it'll be fine <laughs> um and then uh uh the only other things i wanted to mention quickly was um I do kind of enjoy um, the movies like Rob Zombie oh, has oh, been yeah. making, um, but there, there's always something. Well, the most recent one I saw fairly recently, which was um, Lords of Salem, and that wasn't very good at all. But um, I really like uh, Devil's Rejects is really good. Um, I like his Halloween films, but they're kind of their own thing. I can see why a lot of people wouldn't like them. Um, and that's the problem with his stuff is there's always something where you're just kind of like, eh. 
This some, is for a particular some, audience some and I'm about, not it. Some about, something about them just never quite works. Like, they're they're flawed. But, I mean, Devil's Rejects, I think, is really good. That probably would come close to being on the main list. Um, but, yeah, just as a general thing, like, I think they're all quite watchable. I think he has a really good artistic sense. But there's just something always not quite there, you know. Um, uh, and then the other thing that I just wanted to mention, the very last thing, is um, – in the, in the also in the category of flawed but worth a look is um, Silent Hill 2006. This is that should have been in my also rants as well. This is like not a good movie, but <laughs> there are certain things in this movie that are amazing. particularly like in terms of visuals and yeah. and concepts yeah. and uh, like design stuff that is just absolutely amazing. Yeah. Um. And this movie is worth. I mean, this movie is worth a look even just for Pyramid Head. Um, alone, yeah. Alone, which Pyramid Head appears in, like, I believe two scenes. Yeah. Both of them very, very short. Yeah. Uh, there's basically, like, one sort of introductory scene, like, hey, it's Pyramid Head. And then there's one kind of, like, oh, this is Pyramid Head's big scene. But even still, they're very short uh, appearance. But it's such an amazing uh, concept in terms of design and execution yeah. um, that it, I think it's worth it just yeah. for that. But there are a number of other things. That, that the... Ash babies. Yeah, yeah. Like, without getting into a lot of detail, there's just a ton of really interesting... Um, there was a fire in here. Yeah. <laughs> Look, no, no, no. You gotta get it right. Uh, it, sorry, sorry. Right. It looks like there was a fire in here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No shit. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. So, yeah. Dialogue-wise, not so good. Uh, uh, I mean... Story-wise. Video game-adapted movie, so... And it feels that. like yeah. it. Like, it, it feels like they didn't even But try. you know what? Head and shoulders above a lot of video it game It feels like they movies. just, like, like let's just, like, let's take some video game cutscenes and then just, like, yeah. use that as our screenplay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. I mean... It was, it was pretty bad. I, I've heard they're pretty scary games to play. Sure. Like you know, but... Okay. You know, so they pro- they, pro- they probably... Maybe it's something that works... Some of that stuff works better. You know how some stuff works better in a book than a... Oh, I'm it sure. It works better as a game oh, I'm than sure a movie. It's better, I'm sure it's far better as a game <laughs> yeah, than yeah. as a movie. Yeah. But isn't that always the case? Yeah, yeah. Um, but just for the some of the design aspects and yeah. and some of the moments, like the, they're, like the janitor thing, and there's just... There's yeah. a lot of really cool stuff like that. Um, so I'd recommend so, it on that basis, but... With the with the Set warning, with the warning that it is not a good movie at yeah. all. So yeah, it, yeah, worth a watch, but not not great. Yeah. yeah. All right, so uh, that's that's this week's uh, top five. Um, uh, don't have a we don't have a set plan for next week. Two weeks from now, though, we will have something special. Yeah. Um. We'll. We won't say anything about that now, but no. there'll be a, it'll be a special episode. Really clever film buffs could probably figure out yeah, what it yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, anybody's so yeah, paying attention knows no stuff about about movies. Let's, we'll put, probably it, let's know. put it that way. D- date you're, wise, you're a real. real if, if you're listening to this ages from now, it won't make any sense. Yeah, to you, if you're but, a real film person, then you'll, yeah, you'll you know, might know what we're going to talk know what about. What it's going to be? Um, <laughs> in a way, it's actually something that, um, uh, despite a. Despite a topic that in our personal lives, between ourselves and our friends, something we've talked about a lot, it's something we've never really discussed at all on the podcast. Yeah. So, which is kind of cool. saving it up, saving it up, yeah. <laughs> um, so, but that, that's two weeks from now. That'll be episode seventeen. For episode sixteen, where we haven't made a decision yet yeah, about what we're going to talk about. Maybe just cover a movie. Yeah, probably just a movie. Um, maybe just a movie. Maybe pick something off of yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. What we've talked about today that we haven't seen in a while or something, um, or that one of us has never seen. Yeah. But um, who knows? We have honestly, we haven't decided yet. Yeah. So no, no choice is made there. Yeah. Uh, so uh, until next week, 
Um, where uh, people can find us on SoundCloud. Yeah, SoundCloud slash What We've Watched Podcast. Please uh, oh, like, by comment, the way, subscribe. Thanks for all the comments on uh, <laughs> on Dark Crystal, Rob. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a, a friend of ours went uh, gangbusters on the Dark Crystal. So if you want to see uh, some really interesting commentary uh, on the podcast from someone who really likes the Dark Crystal. And, and knows what they're talking yeah, about. Yeah, really knows what he's talking yeah. about. Um, My, it's it's annotated, so you can you can see the comments as they come up in the in the timeline. Yep. If you maybe haven't listened to that episode, yep. and, um, and by all means, if you're somebody out there that listens, that you know, you want to do something similar, even even if it's just one comment on yeah. something that we've said uh, during a podcast, please yeah. do because yeah, you, you can comment. Comments you are can, awesome. When you make the comment, you can make the comment during your listening, and it will timestamp it. So the comment is you can make the comment directly to related to what. Yep. We're listening and you know, like what we're saying at the moment. Um, yeah. And, and I mean, you don't so have it to makes do it that. easier because then we, you know, for, for feedback and for a dialogue on, on such a thing. Um, yeah. I mean, it's just a cool feature that allows you to comment on a specific moment. Yeah. But I mean, you don't have to do that. You can no. just comment, uh, make a general comment. Yeah. Um, I've definitely noticed that even though, apart from Rob's comments on Dark Crystal, we're still a little lacking in the comment department. I've definitely noticed that we've been starting to get more like followers, more likes. Yeah. That's awesome. Much appreciated. Thank you so much. Um, Keep going with that. If you like it, hit the like button. Yeah. And um, if you do have a SoundCloud account or if you don't mind at least setting up you know, a free yeah. account, um, by all means follow us because uh, that would be t- super sweet. And we uh, yeah, people and are enjoying we're on iTunes. We uh, look for the What We've Watched podcast. Yes. You can search for that. Uh, make sure you put in podcast. podcast yeah. Otherwise for it doesn't reason, show up. Yeah, even though there's no other one that's – that we've specifically watched. called it just what throws up watched. a bunch of garbage. It, yeah. it really seems to get confused if you don't yeah. put in. So yeah, what we watch podcast on iTunes, yeah. uh, and please don't give us a rating on there. Throw a star, one star, five stars, whatever you like. I, and again, feel free to comment on there mm-hmm. uh, that gets us visibility. Yeah. Um, and like, these guys and, yeah. are idiots. They don't know and, what they're uh, talking about. Uh, we've we've appreciate the the upswing in in listeners lately, and uh, we're, we're glad you guys. Evidently, people are enjoying. Enjoying the uh, the podcast, yep, and uh, we we really like that. Um, we like that you like just, it. Just let us know. Yeah, just, just let us know what you think you know, and where we can improve and and what we, you'd like to see more of. Yeah, yeah, um, sure. So uh, Re- so that's rec- recommend movies. Yeah, please. Um, so that's it for this week. Yep. Uh, until next week, I'm Chris. This is Emmett. Cheers. Bye bye.